0: Hello and welcome to the Final Girls Podcast. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, every season we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism, looking at a particular trope in depth. Now we are more than halfway through our season entirely dedicated to vampires, or as I like to think of them, the most elegant and the horniest of movie monsters. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a vampire movie or two. We discuss the films in detail, try to contextualize them and also, I'm very sorry, make a lot of bad jokes. Today's episode, we match together two vampire films from two very different eras that combine both vampire action and zombie movie tropes in vastly different ways. First up, the Robert Rodriguez-Quentin Tarantino romp from Dustal Dawn, and then the very underrated 30 Days of Night. We go deep on both films. The 1986 action heist vampire flick, and that's a lot of things mixed together, stars George Clooney and Tarantino as two bank-robbing brothers, yes, brothers, who are on the run after a massive heist, and hole up in a strip club that is actually the home base for a gang of vampires. How inconvenient. And in the second part of this episode, we discuss the... surprisingly scary 30 days of night from 2007, which is set in an Alaskan town that experiences darkness for a month each year, and after the last rays of light fade, a group of vicious vampires attack the town. I really recommend revisiting this one if you haven't recently, it is surprisingly scary. I'm joined in this episode by the brilliant writer and bloody woman columnist, Azora Barbara Brown to delve deep into both of these films. And I should mention as well that this entire season is made possible with the support of our friends at Our Video who bring you the very best in cult horror and genre films in definitive deluxe home entertainment editions. Their collection is super big now with more than 500 physical releases and they've also just launched the Arrow Player where you can watch a lot of their catalogue online and throughout the season we are recommending a film from their collection that we love. And this week our pick is the absolutely chilling audition. Directed by Takashi Mike, it is one of the most notorious J horror films ever made. And believe me, you will never complain about dating apps again after you see it. Also, Azora has just written a beautiful piece about this film over on Bloody Women, so I encourage you to check it out. With that said, we're also putting out bonus content over on our Patreon, so we've got uh, more goodies over there, so you can find us over at patreon.com forward slash the final girls. And if you can't or you don't want to support us over there, just take 30 seconds of your day, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, it really does help independent podcasters a lot. And with all of that said, if you are new to the show, please know that we discuss the films in detail pretty much from the very beginning, so if you're averse to any conversation about a film before you watch it, consider this your spoiler warning. And if you really don't mind, then please enjoy our conversation about From Dusk Till Dawn and 30 Days of Night. Welcome back to the podcast, Zora. How have you been?
1: I've been great. Anna, how have you been?
0: I don't know. Don't ask me that. <laughs> I'm okay.
1: <laughs> I know. Great is kind of me. I don't know. I just used to saying that, but I don't even know if that's true. I've been like, <laughs> you know, I've been a, a hermit.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I've been a tracksuit wearing sweaty hermit, but great, you know? Um,
0: I mean, you know what? We have to respect the lifestyle. That's 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 what we have. We wear sweatpants, we watch horror films, <laughs> we stay inside like good girls.
2: Like
1: good girls.
0: This is what we do. <laughs> um so Azura, before we, we go into chatting about these two films in particular that we're gonna talk about. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of about your own relationship with vampire movies. And particularly, like the last time we spoke on this podcast was for Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was. But what about kind of um, vampire movies in general?
1: So I have like, I would say of all the movie monsters, vampires are mm, least favorites. A wrong word. I find them the least scary Mm -hmm. because they're so often like very human and like able to be reasoned with. A lot of my experience with vampires comes in the form of like Buffy, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: where not only are they easy to reason with, but also they're not very smart, like the ones who are like trying to kill you, but then Mm -hmm. also there might be a hot one that like fancies you. So like, I have like a very like, oh, they're not scary. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> but maybe i could date one um <laughs> kind of <laughs> a <few. laughs> it's like interview with a vampire i'm like mm, yes that could be my boyfriend that's fine um <laughs> oh which one uh uh brad pitt i mean he'd be a bit soppy but like i don't okay. know <laughs> okay <laughs> like if if it was a tom Cruise, what would you do with if that was your vampire boyfriend it'd be too much he'd just definitely eat you at some point He'd get bored and be like anyway
0: um, oh, I don't think he'd even bother because he's like a vegan vampire.
1: Tom Cruise?
0: No, not Tom Cruise. Uh, Louis, oh. <laughs> Brad Pitt. I was like, wait, am I remembering this right? <laughs> no, Tom Cruise would like eat you in the first aid. No, that's, that's a wrong sentence. Like like even,
1: if, even if Tom Cruise is like your vampire boyfriend, he'd like, be like into you for like a bit. And then be literally just one moment. He'd be like, I'm bored now. And yeah. That'd be it. Um, whereas like Brad Pitt would be quite soppy. But he'd be like, you know, he'd have like vampire powers. I think it would be a lot though. You'd be a lot, there'd be a lot of emotional support, I feel like.
0: Um, Sounds like a lot of work. A lot of work.
1: But yeah, so I've never really been like scared of them. It's always been like, oh, they're like a person who has these extra things, like Mm -hmm. with shows like True Blood. There's just been so many iterations of Mm. them. And they're always so much like humans apart from like this one thing, which is their bloodlust, mm-hmm. which can be reasoned with somehow. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've i always enjoy watching them, mostly mm-hmm. because they always cast them as like incredibly hot, mm-hmm. but um never really been scared.
0: Interesting. That that all makes perfect sense yeah. and it's particularly interesting because the two films that we're going to be talking about today are kind of the complete opposite of that yeah i know <laughs> barring these two films <laughs>
1: like i know i'm like they're all really hot except for in these two very specific films um yeah that's like my general experience but yeah we've managed to pick the two films where that is not the case <laughs>
0: I love it because it's kind of the it's kind of an interesting point I guess in the in the vampire canon of of a certain move to a different less sexy less reasonable vampire. Mm. Although, you know, the sexiness will be arguable, but we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so, let's start with from Dust Till Dawn from 1996. Everybody be cool. You cool somewhere in the middle of nowhere low profile you understand the meaning
1: of the words low profile sure two of america's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages what is this it's called a punch i want to ask you one question and all i want is a yes or no answer do you want to live through this yes okay ramblers Let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom.
0: This is my kind
1: of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night.
0: We might be in trouble. We are a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back.
1: George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Juliette Lewis
2: Welcome to slavery
1: No thanks, I already had a wife
2: From dusk till dawn
0: So, tell me about your relationship with this film When did you first watch it? And has your opinion changed of it upon re-watching it for this podcast?
1: um i must have first watched it when i was a teenager and it was one of those films for sure that i wasn't meant to be seeing mm. but it was before um before like the internet which sound makes you sound like i'm 100 years old but i mean <laughs> like the internet existed it <laughs> I just mean before everyone had it on like their phones in their mm. home um so like you didn't really know about films in the same way you do now you don't really mm-hmm. go oh this is this kind of film mm-hmm. you know the name of it you know you're not meant to watch it
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so I went into it at like not at all knowing that vampires gonna show up
2: mm-hmm.
1: um just watching it like oh no this is like some like crime caper where these like two terrible people have kidnapped this family and like stuff's gonna happen and then it goes left of that and you're <laughs> and it's like oh Wait, this is not what I thought it was. Um (laughs) I just remember um watching it and yeah, being quite anxious in the Mm -hmm. first part because I thought like something terrible is gonna happen to this family. Um I don't know, I just had this really anxiety of it was gonna be like Tarantino's definitely gonna do something to like the girl. Mm -hmm. I was like just I don't know, it was a different kind of anxiety, and then it just turned bonkers film so it was kind of a relief even though it's like incredibly violent it's kind of like very cartoonish and it was this guy's kind of relieved and I like just had a really good time for the minute there's that guy at the front of the bar of the titty twister being like bussy bussy pussy. I was like oh okay wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> we're having fun now it's fine um but yeah so that was my so I just didn't know where it was going so I was just like oh and like re-watching it I'm Surprise actually, how much of it I remembered mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in a long time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I remembered a lot of it, like the vampire stuff in it mm-hmm. actually was it didn't and none of it really surprised me, but the first half like it brought back that anxiety like it, I was mm-hmm. like it really was like the first bit's awful like you're just like this is oh god this is really like upsetting (laughs) this first bit (laughs) like just oh yeah all the people they come into contact with you're just like oh no
0: um you're so right and i wonder if this is a good time to talk about uh you kind of alluded to it before that the two protagonists seth and richie played by george clooney and quentin tarantino himself are kind of very bad people and not just bad in the sense of like roguish where they are lovable criminals who are out for themselves and to get money. It's like, no, no, no. They are uh, full on psychopaths. At least Richie yeah. is a full on psychopath. And Seth kind of tries to control him and protect him in as best he can. So y- you mentioned kind of the sense of anxiety in the first like the vampires don't come in until about 54 minutes in because I I made a note like a fucking nerd. Uh, (laughs) But what do you think of, can you talk a little bit kind of about your impressions of of those characters and and the way that the first part of the film before the vampires come in kind of plays in a way uh, either as a thriller or as a horror film? Because there's quite a lot of bloodshed and, and gore in the first half of the film as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it starts quite, it's quite smart. Like, cause you start in that little, like, is it like a gas station? Yeah, And, um, you don't really know what's happening. Like mm-hmm. it's just these two people who like, if you've seen the poster or whatever, you know, aren't in the like major parts in the film. So you're just watching them have like a quite boring conversation and be like kind of terrible, obnoxious, like small town people. And, um, and then it just like, they come out the bathroom, like Seth and Ritchie come out the bathroom, they've got these two girls hostage. And the fact that it's two teenage girls, even that, like it's just, it just so quickly ramps up and you realize like, whatever they're doing, like they're trying to get to Mexico and they're just doing the worst job of being subtle um, in the world. It's like, how hard is it to just like get to Mexico? Like, what are you doing? um they're like kidnapping people they're like i don't know blowing up gas i was like really guys like just get in a car i don't know i'm not a criminal i don't know (laughs) like (laughs) if like if i don't know what you but i feel personally that i would have just like been in a car and driving Mm -hmm. and not like kidnapping girls in a gas station and like blowing up things but you know to each their own um (laughs) but yeah i it's 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 seth is like a bad person But like you said, Richie, um, is psychotic and in such a creepy, horrible, terrifying way. And obviously what the, the worst thing about it is he's like, he's, he's obviously lies a lot about stuff, but Mm -hmm. also, um, the way he looks at women, his view of women, like he can't be left alone with a woman because Uh he like will rape her. And Uh it's just like, oh God. Um, and I mean, I don't read, That was this was my first, my first introduction to Tarantino as a person. Uh-huh. And he's ne- he doesn't ever not give me the creeps. Mm. And I'm pretty sure this is a massive part of the reason <laughs> why. Mm-hmm. It's because the first time I ever saw this man was playing this character. And I was like, what is wrong with him? Um, just just absolutely so twisted and it's really scary and it's a different kind of fear because it's a real world fear especially as a woman watching it
2: Mm.
1: we're like oh my god if you got in if you were in this situation not only would be like terrified of these guys like murdering you and your family but there's a good chance you're going to be raped at some point Mm. by this like person
0: um i thought like you're you're so right at pointing that out because that's the thing that i remember seeing this film as a teenager, almost accidentally, and weirdly, I always remembered the second half like I remember all the vampire shit I remember the mm. ending I have a I had a very muddled memory of the first half of the film, and I found the first half of the film, as you're describing it kind of even scarier than the second half because yeah. of the real life anxieties that you that you know we can articulate a lot better. Now and also, you know, it's it's almost impossible to separate from the things that we know now about Robert Rodriguez, the director, and Tarantino himself, the writer. But I, I cut, you know, Tarantino's not the greatest thespian in the world, <laughs> but he does have a very intriguing face, and I think this is probably the the best performance that he's ever given because it kind of plays off on his way at, of staring at things and the way that the editing is kind of done in this film and with like a lot of spliced images of just blood and things like that and and female bodies where it's really fucking creepy like there's moments in the first half where you just kind of go in Richie's head and you see things from his twisted point of view but you know that's just in his head and he's just reacting to things that are not there Mm. and then occasionally Seth will just be like hey 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 focus focus buddy Please do not um, rape anyone.
1: Yeah, please. <laughs> I mean, imagine. <laughs> I can't even. Can you p- just today, please? Could you just not? Like what? And what? First of all, Seth is again. I, I'm not a criminal, so I don't know. But if that was my cop, accompl- I would have been like, no. Like, you're my brother, I love you, but absolutely not. You can't yeah. come with me because you are an ab like a massive, like, hindrance to this whole operation. Truly. But it's, it was also like, uh, Tarantino's before, I think it's because it's before he was like Tarantino, mm-hmm. which is why the performance is like that. Because there are there's like levels to it. There's points where he speaks. There's a bit when he obviously imagines Juliette Lewis saying to mm-hmm. him, you know, um, hey, like, Richie can you like eat my pussy whatever he says to him and he's like oh yeah and he's like he responds so gently and also when they're in the caravan driving and he says to her like oh that thing you said I will do that for you yeah he says it so gently which makes it so creepy so creepy because you're like oh he really believes she said this and he also thinks he's like doing her a favor in some Mm -hmm. way and it just gives you just a horrible insight into this person's mind I 100% believe also that it was Tarantino's idea to have like
0: Salma Hyke put his like her foot in his mouth. Oh, I um, mean, come on, like all the foot stuff in this film. <laughs> I mean, I know. Do you know what? Oh, like, like everyone, everyone just, you know, embrace your kings. Just go for it. There will be no king shaming in this house. But babes, we, I mean... we know, we know. How many shots of everyone's feet, every single woman in this film, like her feet are in, in,
1: in God, like, up
0: close? Up cl- why did we need those shots? And,
1: like, and this the fact that I was like, I really want to see the script. I want to know if he wrote in this script and then she puts her foot in Richie's mouth or like it was on the day like oh you know what would be really cool because Mm -hmm. I'm just like I know that this idea came from this man's head um (laughs) I I know he got as many shots of it as he possibly could he's like maybe we should do that again I know it and I was like this is just wild and like if before (laughs) before you know about Tarantino's foot thing Mm. like when you go back to it you're just like oh wow like it's really like, (laughs) like like yeah having your kink but then being like I'm gonna somehow put this in almost every single film I make is like quite the choice um yeah. and it's really prevalent in that one I was really like yeah. aware of it I was like I'm very uncomfortable
0: <laughs> um, um, what do you make of the dynamic between Seth and Ritchie but also on screen between Tarantino as an actor and George Clooney
1: so I they have a real like of mice and men situation going mm. on um, where it feels like George Clooney should just killed him like a long time ago, like as a <laughs> kindness. Um, <laughs> like he won't stop killing the puppy, Seth, it's time. Um, <laughs> like a real, I'm like, he took him far too, like literally mm. way to, like, Waited for him to turn to a vampire, but then also waited after that. I was like, really? Like, (laughs) this should have happened a long time ago. But um, they work really well together, which is like a surprise. I also was reading about it Mm -hmm. and didn't realise this was George Clooney's first leading film role.
2: Oh my God.
1: Um, So he was like, obviously in Mm -hmm. ER. Mm -hmm. And I think he'd done like maybe other parts of films, but this is his first leading. I was like, this is a real step away from it. So I think he was relishing playing this bad guy. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think it worked because, because I think if it had just been George Clooney or anyone who looked not like Tarantino, there -hmm. would have been almost, it would have been that kind of, yes, quite scary, but kind of roguish charm Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, that like, especially George Clooney is quite famous for. Um, And it needed to be that thing of like, it makes him monstrous as well, like by association like if it was just him on his own he is quite handsome and charming and whatever and it's like it so I think it worked really well because you're like no you're part of this and you're a monster and you let him do this stuff Mm. and you kind of mildly scold him Mm. and then just carry on with your day which makes you just as bad Mm. um like you know what Richie's like why would you leave him in that motel room with that lady Mm -hmm. like what on earth so um, I think it works really well. I think they definitely have yeah that's all I could think of as like oh, it's my oh, my um <laughs> like it's just that very like that dynamic of the one person who's in control who's mm-hmm. trying to get them to all the places, and then mm-hmm. one person who just consistently fucks it up um because they can't control something like fundamental about themselves
0: mm. you're you're so right, and like it it makes Seth a little bit scarier as well because he is. Even though he's presented having like some sort of semblance of a moral compass, especially towards the end, and especially kind of towards Juliet Lewis's character and, and that family. um, There is, it's like, how are you surprised? Like when he, I, I love the way that the scene was shot when he goes in and he finds the woman's body. I mean, it's almost comical where he goes, can we have one day? Can we have yeah. one day when you don't do something absolutely psychotic, Richie? can't just one day and it's like it's funny but it's also yeah but you immediately forgive him and you immediately uh, forget about the the woman who he's just butchered and raped and just gonna move on and keep dragging him along and then you see him look that way at at another girl you see him look that way at (laughs) satanical pandemonium in in the (laughs) titty twister bar it's like come on like how many how many times how many times
1: and it makes you think how many times before this has Richie done it Mm. has done something like this and you're like you are still bringing this kid with you everywhere you go you're still like letting him have a gun still leaving him alone with people so this is like on you like Mm. clearly he can't control himself so at a certain point that's just on you Mm. like I mean honestly I just don't know what he was thinking (laughs) 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 like why was he there
0: let's talk a little bit about something you mentioned at the beginning about how vampires are kind of less scary because they're always like somewhat sexy or they have a personality like they're still human even when they're monsters Hmm. so let's move on to talk about when the geckos and their hostages uh, arrive to the titty twister and like how that those three worlds kind of merge and when they find out that they're actually in a in a in a vampire club
1: um that's like first of all that's the most chaotic bar (laughs) i think i've ever seen like again again as a criminal on the run (laughs) from all the Texas law and the FBI, mm-hmm, would mm-hmm. you not pick somewhere a little less conspicuous? It's like, oh, let's go to this insane, massive, like, biker trucker bar called the Titty Twister, where there's literally a man outside of it yelling pussy, but like, I just didn't, I was like, this is so chaotic. There's, <laughs> the inside, there's so much happening inside. I was like, how would you, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like. You just go get a drink and like sit down in this place. Like, it's, And there's like food. I was like, who is cooking? Like what's happening? Where is the kitchen? <laughs> very. <laughs> I was like, because he's like, send a waitress over. I was, like, yeah! There are waitresses? Who is the waitress in this place? What's happening? How did anyone end up here? It's just very confusing. <laughs> um, <it's> just...
0: <laughs> also, what is the situation with the go-go dancers? Because he just like literally throws a guy off the table and like gently leads a girl down from the t- from the table where she was dancing it's like okay i sit here now it's like how was this i'm sure there's some sort of arrangement like surely the you know the MC who was yelling about pussy at the front of the the bar is like well no we've got a distribution of tables this girl's over here this girl's over here there's delicious
1: food um (laughs) mexican food in mexico like what what is this place um why is no one else suspicious the minute they arrive why is like what is this what's gonna happen even the go-go i was like is their job literally just to be on like random Tables just dancing constantly, um, as like stuff happens around, like fights and like craziness happens around. I was like, This is and it's they arrive in like daylight, so this is like daytime Mm -hmm. in the bar, yeah. So (laughs) that already was like, What? Um, also, considering Mm -hmm. that they, um, you know, it's like, so you find out, you know, that Danny Trejo is like, you know, he's a vamp as well, and all that stuff, why are they so weird about him coming to the bar? They're like very like, no, you can't drink it. It's like, wouldn't you just be like, yeah, great. Welcome. All welcome. Come in. Sit yeah. Down, here's your bottle. First yeah. drinks on us. Like when you you're going to try and eat them all and like, A minute. So, like, why are you being like so pedantic about the rules? I think it was just (laughs) there's like so many weird things. It's like kind of running as a bar. It's like I don't know. I don't really know what's happening.
0: Maybe, and I'm just thinking about this. Maybe it's because they say that oh, it's only for truck drivers.
1: So it's like people Mm -hmm. aren't connected.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's because like they know that they basically can um, take advantage of truck Mm. drivers like they're on the move maybe they're on probably on a job or whatnot so like there is it's a consistent supply of food (laughs) supply (laughs) of victims (laughs) and also it's usually going to be like people who are by themselves so they don't have like groups of people who can protect them or whatnot don't know i'm like i'm trying i'm trying to put myself into the mindset of a of a vampire who operates from the titty twister (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's also that thing of like, if it really was an issue, then I mean, surely you could just throw them out. Look at this place. Mm. Surely, like, like uh, Seth and Richie aren't like the scariest, like people. I don't know, like the scariest mm. people who ever like wandered into the bar. Um, it's just i don't know but like i mean they got there they're fine mm. they let kids in i love their biggest issues. also it's a trucker bar not there are two children but it's fine <laughs> um they're like no this is a this is a family so restaurant bad. actually um, do you want a kids menu i'll send one over with the waitress like <laughs> like they're fine with that it's like oh are you a trucker though mm. um but like uh the vampires in this obviously sama hayek this is also I, we, we had a little messaging about this yesterday oh my god so we talked about how George Queen's neck tattoo I, was very much part of my sexual awakening as a teenager. I was I like, what?
0: <laughs> what on earth? I think it was the waistcoat for me.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, it's a neck tattoo. And then when you take and you see the arm and you're like, oh my God, it goes all the way down. Um, it's a lot, a mm-hmm, lot for me. Mm-hmm. And, but I had the same reaction. Seeing Salma Hayek, um, on, and I was like, I, first of all, didn't know that women could look like this. Yep. Um, like, how on earth... <laughs> Is everything just in in these places? And she's just like so poised. And I was reading as well that she was really scared of the snake, which Aww. makes it even more like incredible. Yeah. That I was like, she just, she's so poised and like balanced. Oh, I love her.
0: We need to talk about the scene in detail because. Yes. Not gonna lie, like I knew it was coming. So I literally, I had to pause and I had to prepare myself mentally because. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I, I did not know that women could look like that. I did not know women could move yeah. like that. And it still catches me off guard every time I've seen that scene or snippets of that scene or clips of that scene. So, um, aside from all the narrative stuff of what that means for the film, can we just discuss this, this dance scene with Santanico Pandemonium, Salma Hayek?
1: First of all, what a fantastic name. Oh, amazing. Um, I mean... If I ever, like, was a dancer anywhere in a club, I'm just stealing that. percent like stealing it. <laughs> but also, I feel like the reactions in that room, uh-huh. I bet they were real. Like, it's somehow, high- I'd be like, oh. I i mean, there's even a bit. So when she gets mm-hmm. to, like, the table mm-hmm. and she's got her foot in Tarantino's mouth, because mm-hmm. of course she does. Of course. Um, uh, uh, George Clooney is sitting behind oh, her. yes! And his eyes are popping out of his head. And I was like, he is not acting in that moment. He has forgotten he's in a film. He is just like, I am just, it's like she's like bending at one point and you can see, he's yep. literally like, oh my God. And he is like, he is George Clooney being like, I am staring directly at Sama Hayek's like butt. And I don't really know what to do. Um, I- because, <laughs> I think like, that's George, George Clooney, right yes. there. That is not Seth. Um, it's so funny because I, like, I mean, honestly, the same. I, I, don't know what I do either. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's just really funny that they've got on camera him actually just not really knowing And then there's a segment. It cuts back to him again. He like cheats a bit and like looks round her to look at Richie because yeah. like, because you you're losing it. You don't. <laughs> you're like not acting anymore. <laughs> and so you have to do something. <laughs> to, like, make your character not just be like, I'm just staring at this woman also. Um, it's, I it-
0: am <laughs> beaming right now, Zora, because I'm so glad you brought it up, because I watched that scene twice, and the second time was just entirely focused on George Clooney <laughs> <laughs> reacting to having Salma Hayek's butt straight in his face, and he is like... I, what am, What's happening also? Am I saying God? I don't know. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, <he> Quentin? <laughs> Quentin, have you seen this?
1: <laughs> he truly... That man has forgotten his own name in there. He doesn't know he's in a film. He can't see the cameras. Like, he is about to lose it. I, he was just like... I don't you know. He is... Oh, yeah. Just absolutely not there anymore. He's, like, not acting in those moments. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, she's just... She's great. And it's just... And I think the first time I watched it, that was one of the things I loved about it. I love that she ended up being, like, this, the vampire. She's, like, the, mm-hmm. the first person you see turn. Yeah. And I love that, that they made it this, like, beautiful woman mm-hmm. who everyone's, like, mesmerized by. And then she's just, like, this vampire queen who's, like, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I was really into it um <laughs> i love that it's like just their head that i think with her it's just her head and like her body still like sama hot body
0: yes which is very weird because the like the vampification of the face and whatnot is you know like it's it's been around since the lost boys and it happens in in buffy obviously as well but here it's just like her head looks like a snake but then it's sama in a in a bikini
1: yeah <laughs> and also there's no like through line with all the rest of the vampires some of them are <laughs> just head ones some of them it's a full body situation yes. there's that one vampire who comes out who's like a lady vampire yes. with her stomach all torn <laughs> out and a huge <laughs> merkin like massive like dangly merkin like bush like area i was like where did she come from like who was she before like it's just like someone was just like i don't know let's just try it put all of them in the film i don't know um that's what it reads us
0: there's a band who's playing like the torso
1: also where did they get that i was like (laughs) when who made this where did they get it did they just make it because that looks fresh so Mm -hmm. when did they make this like how quickly can you like make a guitar of human body parts um and then there's the rat vampire thing like the kind of
0: oh my god yeah the rat vampire thing that happens at the end
1: yeah and you're so there's like so many iterations of a vampire in this like just one bit. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like they're all so different, um, just different, you know, from different regions or something. I don't know what's going on, but they're all like incredibly different. It does feel like they just threw everything at it. They were like, we're not we're throwing anything. Nothing's ending up like being cut. They're just like, they tried lots of stuff on, like all of it. We want all of it in the film somehow. Um yeah it's and wild
0: so what do you think of the way that vampires are presented because that moment with with santanico pandemonium where she shifts is where the entire film shifts as well going from like a weird very tarantino-esque very early 90s robert rodriguez says like version of cool which is basically mm. a bunch of dudes saying snappy dialogue and ogling women and women just being very pretty and kind of you know putting their feet in men's mouths because cutie but like there's this really intense tonal shift and narrative shift and like shifts of power as well because boom she's a vampire murders richie all of a sudden everyone around them is a vampire and it's like a horde of these fucking night creatures who like we were talking about at the beginning are not the sexy bella lugosi franklin jella gary oldman-esque type of vampires they're full-on kind of ratty weird creatures some of them are doing things like playing a human body guitar (laughs) some of them are still dancing you know that's dedication to your craft well done (laughs) and the other ones like what are (laughs) they keep going
1: the whole way through as if like it's like the band of the titanic they're just like our job is to just keep playing which is like very (laughs) odd but like they just play the whole time um yeah i it's it's that's what i mean it's that these are even though they're not like sexy vampires they're also Mm -hmm. not scary because it gets so cartoony i think maybe like danny trejo is like one of the scarier looking vampires Mm -hmm. um i think he looks really cool actually but like um he's the one i'd be like most wary of but um yeah i don't know they're not really scary because it all gets quite cartoonish in a way mm. even everyone's reaction to them um like there's a there's a guy called sex machine <laughs> with a with a <laughs> cod piece gun you know so there's no, no point is it like so serious like even the guy who's that fo- american football player i know he's a football player he's like called the hammer the the black guy who's like oh fred williamson yeah, who tries to make is trying to make a domino tower yes. while like stays dark <laughs> on the table the whole time. And like so these people just like come to be like, Okay, we're gonna fight these vampires. But it's all so like playful <laughs> in a way that I um that you never quite like fully Scared, like it's gross. There's gross things like when they explode, like when their Juliet Lewis shoves her cross into one of their mouths and his eyeballs explode all over her and stuff. Mm. Like, there's like it's more gross out stuff than it is actual, like, oh, this is scary. And like, they keep stopping to have weird conversations. Like, so much is going on. And then there'll be like a bit where, you know, Salma Hayek's like, you're going to be my slave. And she has a little speech about George Clooney licking her boots and like being her dog and stuff. Again, again,
0: like like, Quentin. (laughs) I know (laughs) your preferences are showing
1: I know like just and then she'll say something about someone licking her feet because why not um and uh yeah there's there's not really they're not really um scary because there's Mm. even bits like um the band who Mm -hmm. are literally playing the entire time Mm -hmm. so they've everyone the people who survived in the bar have killed everyone and the band then realise that they're the only vampires left in the room and kind of just explode and it's like (laughs) what's happening were you not watching this whole time you were playing up until this moment like i'm so confused about what your motivation is um so it just never feels like quite serious Um, and the dialogue after that point also mm-hmm. doesn't feel like Harvey Keitel, I feel, plays it like the straightest. Mm mm-hmm this whole bit, like, like he's he's the, the, like, the straight man in all of this. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who's like making real plans and making real sense. Whereas like, <laughs> George Clooney is like, Seth is saying stuff like, I don't believe in vampires. And it's like, he's like taking a minute to have a drink and be like, I don't believe in vampires and blah, blah, blah. And this can't be real, but this is actually vampires. And I was just like, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel a lot differently in this situation. Everyone's quite like oddly calm after just battling a lot of vampires and like um Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's not really scary. It's a lot of it's quite funny. There are a lot mm-hmm. of quite funny deaths, like the four, the four go-go dancer vampires and the cable legs. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> um when uh the ham, like rips out the guy's heart mm-hmm. and then it's like the guy's not dead. It's like, no, you haven't got it yet. They're vampires. Mm-hmm. Um that's not going to work. Um the 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 cod piece gun is always great oh sex um, machine sex what a great machine
0: guy. yeah even that
1: bit where he introduced himself to Juliet, lewis he's like oh i'm she, what's her name kate casey kate uh her car- yeah and she's like i'm kate he's like i'm sex machine it's like there's like jokes yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. also i love sex machine i think he's such a riot because he's also like quite polite i guess yeah he
1: seems like quite a nice guy i also love like they've kind of like positive truck drivers as these really odd characters i'm like he's just a truck driver who happens to have this thing mm-hmm. um like i just love that they're like these characters and like they just they drive trucks but they're also like these very specific like weird men um <laughs> who come to this bar who have just, or i guess have turned up for the first time cuz like if they've been before they wouldn't be alive so um yeah i don't know i just i just think it's like part watching it this time part Mm -hmm. of me was almost like because the band is playing this whole time and it is chaos Mm -hmm. like the whole all the fights happening at the same time it's like chaotic Mm -hmm. part of me's like I wish it was louder I wish it was more of a cacophony of like Mm. I wish I kind of almost almost wasn't time to take a breath that it was just like manic because the band's actually quite even though they're playing the whole time it's really quiet Mm -hmm. the music Mm -hmm. and there's like lots of dialogue like like bits of dialogue or jokes and stuff i'm like i kind of wish this was just like madness i mean it is but like i kind of wanted more Mm
2: -hmm.
0: no i i I see exactly what you mean and it's like it never gets fully relentless does it because even when they're the whole kind of horde it, it kind of comes together and tries to attack them and eat them and kind of is killing characters left, right, and center. And it's just basically the Fuller family and uh, and Seth left to do, I love the little, you know, let's make vampire killing tools montage. I know. <laughs> I was like, guys, you, you probably have been in here 15 minutes. There's no fucking way you would have gotten all of this done. And bless the water
1: convenient mm. all the stuff they had available yeah all the time they apparently had there's like literally vampires <laughs> trying to batter down the door but okay yeah
0: so so what I wanna what I was wondering um about what do you think of the way that the Fuller family work within the film
1: so <laughs> I kind of love that like they're quite a sweet little family before Seth and like well, like you know, when everything's happening,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what makes me laugh what makes me laugh rewatching it was how much the kids just seem to be like quite comfortable with the situation. Like they really get to a point where they're like, oh, okay, I guess this is what it is now, mm-hmm. and they're very comfortable being held hostage, like by these people to the point where they almost like them a little bit. Like jo- Judith Lewis's Kate warns um Richie mm-hmm. when he's about to be attacked by like. Um, Sam Hayek and this they they kind of form this weird bond mm-hmm. with them, and the kids form it quite early on before any of the vampire stuff even starts um they seem to kind of like them, which is quite interesting, and I love that um Harvey Keitel is just kind of um the dad of everyone <laughs> oh. <laughs> he like fathers, he's like like giving like you know done talking to. And like giving him little life lessons along the way mm-hmm. um, to make him take himself more serious. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting. But he's the only one in the family <laughs> and in the whole film who's really seems to understand the gravity of the situation and what needs to be done. Like the whole way through, he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is what, like, there's a bit, the bit when they're in the camper van and they're trying to get go across the border and his son's like, we have to tell them. And he's like, no. Like they literally have a gun to your sister's head in the back. And he's just always got his head screwed on. Even at that bit when they're in the club and t- and he's he's been bitten, he's like, we have this amount of time mm-hmm. before this and this happens. And he just makes like very quick decisions that are like very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I mean, they just really, the boy didn't really have his son. <laughs> just kind of doesn't really have a real character. Like you can tell in the narrative, like through line of this, they didn't really care about this kid because I'm just like, he has almost no character. And then that's like, and then he dies. Um, and he does
0: a horrible death as well.
1: Yeah. And you think the kids are going to make it. It feels like one of those films where at least the kids will make it. It's like, no, <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I just think they're like they're quite a strange family, I guess in like a certain ways as well, just mm-hmm. the way they handle everything. Like the when they get to the bar and like Seth say insists they drink with him. They just like they seem to be have, having an almost good time. Mm-hmm. Um the kids at that point which I mean, I'd be shitting myself. So, I don't know. I'm just built different. <laughs> I, don't <know.
0: laughs> I don't know if George Clooney in that waistcoat with that neck tattoo <laughs> came out it's like would you like some whiskey Zora and would you like to fight you know some vampires what? with me
1: okay and a way to call my bluff because you're right <laughs> like if I was I don't know how she is in the film maybe like 17 or something mm-hmm. 16 like if I was a George Clooney <laughs> with that tattoo and that like yeah you know what I'd be like oh but I kind of want the hot one to like me like probably <laughs> like you know what okay fine fair enough fair enough <laughs> maybe but they were correct
0: let's talk about the ending of from Dustle Dawn, because towards the end it is really just Seth and Kate who are left, and mm. it's you know nectar to and all aside Seth is not like an asshole who is at all in the in the film I think the it's again it's the bar is so low it's not even commendable like this is just. No it doesn't try to force us to think that they're that they a romantic interest because they're fucking not. Like, this is an adult man who's a criminal and this is mm. a teenage girl whose entire family has just been slaughtered by vampires. This is not a romantic pairing in any way, shape, or form. Like, you know, teen girls, like, crush on a tattoo, George Clooney aside, perfectly understandable. Yes. Uh, like, what do you think about these two characters, um, being the last one standing and and the ending of the film
1: i think it's almost like unexpected like Ooh. i think it's one of those films at the beginning you were i i said if you'd never seen it before you wouldn't pick out those two characters the ones who make it mm-hmm. necessarily um so it's quite interesting choice um and yeah i think you're right because it's coming she's like oh do you want company mm-hmm. it's kind of implied that if she went with him it would turn into that kind of weird and he says he says something like um i'm an arsehole but i'm not a fucking arsehole yeah um i'm a bastard
0: but i'm not a fucking bastard that's
1: it yeah and it's just like um yeah because it would be weird but i'm also aware that i'm like you could have dropped her off somewhere mm-hmm. like I don't- yeah <laughs> you're so right <laughs> And you just left this girl in the middle of Like, there's no... For all you know, there's, like, worse things coming for her. Like, you just left her there. Mm. Um, and I was like, I think you could have dropped her off, like, anywhere that looked like civilization. Like, a shop or... <laughs> I don't know, anything. Mm. Like, on his way. Um, but, yeah, it's just that thing, I think... I feel like more importantly, it's more important he cuts ties at that point
0: mm-hmm. so they
1: don't have, like, a journey. Because if they did drop her off somewhere, we need to see that. Otherwise, it mm-hmm. would again, I think it would be kind of implied
0: yes, you're that right. they
1: carried on together. So it needed to be that, like, actually, no, mm-hmm. this is the end for that. But also for her, I don't even know, I don't know what kind of therapy she'll need after this. <laughs> what she's even going to do, because it's kind of like, she seems kind of okay. Mm -hmm. Like at the end, but I'm just like, I don't know, what is this girl going, how is she going to explain any of this? What is she going to do?
0: There's no way she's going to be okay. That's like a fucking decades of therapy that you're going to need.
1: And like in therapy that you're like, what you what are you even saying in that therapy session? So then like we went to the strip club and like the dancer telling like why what what's even what would even that even look like? Like and everyone even cuss it. Like I don't even know what you'd be doing at that point afterwards. So um yeah, I just don't even know what her like next She's driving around in that RV. I guess she can do what she wants, but like, I don't even know where she goes from that point.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> and before we before we wrap up our our conversation about this film and move on to Thirty Days of Night, I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you think about this film trying so hard to be cool? Um,
1: I don't think it's Like, it's a weird one because part of me is like, oh, it's trying to be cool. But then also Mm -hmm. part of me is like, is it trying to be a film that's trying to be cool? Like, Mm -hmm. as in like, is it kind of making fun of film that's probably not. But like, it kind of feels that's what it is. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. almost making fun of those, like making fun, making fun. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Making fun of those films that like try to be cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's certain things about it that are quite cool. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not a cool film like like I said, it's quite comedic. Once a vampire start turning up,
2: mm-hmm. it
1: is quite like you, you find yourself like the the vampire like we talked about already with the massive muffin like the it's like that's funny because she comes out like it's like all these sexy like like go go dancer vampire and then her and you're like <laughs> Where is she even? Who is she? Like, where has she come from? Um, Why the like the hole in her belly? It's like, what like, does she carry there? Did she just give birth? Like, I'm so baffled. Like, her, where did she literally? <laughs> where does she come from? And um, and the stuff like I don't really buy the vampire lore of like they have all like very stereotypical things about vampires. It's like sunlight, garlic. Mm-hmm. Holy water crosses. Mm-hmm. I do not buy that. If you hold two guns together in a cross shape, that's the same as a cross. <laughs> so there's like stuff that's just like, mm. <laughs> like it's never like lets you take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, I can't, I just can't. I find it hard to believe it. After a certain point, they were hoping that people thought it was cool because I was like, surely not. <laughs> like this is not serious. Like if you could just hold like two guns up as a cross and then also use them to shoot vampires, like. What is that? No. And also um, just
0: reveal that an a- ancient Aztec uh, temple oh, has <laughs> yeah. been repurposed as a vampire stripper club called the Titty Twister.
1: To Lord in. And I just, I love that, that reveal at the end. I absolutely, because I'm just like, I love that apparently none of this is visible. Mm-hmm. Um from any from when you're driving up in your truck you're getting Mm -hmm. those trucks parked right to the edge of that I'm like (laughs) you didn't see this when you were like getting out of your truck you weren't like what the fuck like there's a massive ravine for the like truck parts and like fucking ancient temple no didn't didn't occur to you and I the idea because it didn't really need that it kind Mm -hmm. of felt well these vampires have like set up this business for this specific purpose Mm -hmm. and it being attached like a temple is just like oh so what they like coming up from the ground and then decided to build a bar at the top which seems like a more baffling choice (laughs) i don't know i was like this this was this is what they did these ancient vampires like you know what you build a bar called the titty twister truckers will come to it and this could be like great for us i just want to know that the conversations that happened the business plan you want to see
0: the business plan for the titty twister i do i do
1: (laughs) i want to see them like designing the sign um like making choices again like deciding the menu mm-hmm. um because I will never get over the fact I forgot that I just that line it just makes me laugh so much it's <laughs> like the best food in Mexico and it's just like what food <laughs> what food is being served here like I just don't even understand um so I just love that they had this like this gaggle of vampires mm-hmm. and then um oh what's her name again Sam Hikes oh,
0: Santanico Pandemonium
1: fantastic um that she was like oh and i'll dance <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: also Here i'll have the- a snake
1: yeah i'll wear a great i'll be really sexy for no reason because they're already in our bar so it's not like we need it to like mesmerize people they're already there drinking and we'll lock the doors but i'll be sexy and dance with a snake and then we'll eat everybody and we'll just do that every night <laughs> to the end of time like i just i would love to be in that meet- meeting. Like in one of the little temple rooms before they decide to like build this bar. Like, how do they get the word out? it's kind of off a little off road. It's not like on the main road. So I'm like, how do they advertise this? How does everyone know about it? Like, it's just, I mean, oh fascinating. God. I love it. I love it so. But that's what I mean. I was like it's not cool. <laughs>
0: Do you know what, as you're describing it, I'm just seeing it in my head as an SNL sketch, where it's just a, you know, like a a very basic corporate meeting room, and all of these characters, including Santanico with her snake head, Danny Trejo's character, Cheech (laughs) Cheech Martin as the MC pussy guy, who was like, oh guys, I've got a great idea, I've got a great idea, I've got so many pussy puns, I'm just gonna stand outside and yell all of them.
1: There won't actually be any (laughs) pussy available, but you know, I'll just do that. And then also just like, what what are the other names I thought of before? The Titty Twister. Um, And also I love that (laughs) he snitches. Like the MC comes in and like, is like, yeah, that one like hurt my hand and my nose. It's like, again, (laughs) why would you do this um, at this point? Like, why are you like snitching? They're already in the bar. They're going to be eaten at some point why are you running in and being like they hurt my hand like I was just like this is you're very confusing Very it feels confused like on one hand they're like trying to actually run this business <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously like so that's like the checking of the idea about if like their truck drivers and then like him coming in and being like yeah they're not meant to be in here and I said no but then they like hurt me and came in anyway it's just like <laughs> wait is this legit like you really try to make this work and then it just it didn't this one night and you're like i guess we'll eat everybody because it hasn't worked out tonight guys um <laughs> we didn't get any food out of the kitchen uh there were no waitresses in sight so like fuck it let's just you know eat everyone and start again tomorrow like is that what was going on like i'm so confused but i love, I love it. it i love all
0: of it i love it so let's move on to 30 days of night from 2007 Vampires, you know?
2: Vampires
1: don't exist, Jake.
0: That cold ain't the weather. That's death approaching.
1: We're tearing through everyone's home.
0: We can last the month. Okay, so we're going almost a decade later from a very 90s feeling film to <laughs> a very millennial noughties feeling horror film. Mm. So same question, really, when did you first discover this film and kind of do you remember what you thought of it at that time? And has that changed when you rewatched it?
1: I remember the first time I saw saw this is probably on DVD. Mm-hmm. and with like a group of friends and I think I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen like I was like oh my god this is like so and I I was like in the you know height of my Josh Hartnett obsession at this point probably (laughs) (laughs) so it was like it was probably the first like really grown-up thing I'd seen and been like oh Uh um Josh Hartnett can do other things too um but yeah, I remember thinking it was so fucking cool, this film, and just being like, you know, one of those films where like the kids who watch a lot of films would talk about it be like, Oh yeah, have you seen that film yet? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool because it's like this and this and this. And like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was definitely one of those kids. I was definitely this is one of the films that, that got talked about in that uh-huh. way about why it was special. Um and rewatching it, I can totally see why I thought that. Um I'd actually forgotten a huge amount of it. Mm-hmm. I actually still I just really liked it I was like this is just yeah just it's just it it is actually cool (laughs) in comparison to the last film
0: can you talk a little bit about kind of what do you think are those things that made it seem so appealing and so cool at that time like you know I mean within the context of the the films that were coming out in the mid 2000s that you know um kids who like film kids would watch and and sort of be recommending to each other like it was a marker of coolness to have seen this film
1: i think because it felt quite adult Mm -hmm. because it was really quiet Mm -hmm. and quite slow moving Mm -hmm. that it felt more grown up than other horror films at the time Mm -hmm. um so something about seeing like it felt like seeing a grown-up horror it was scary in a way that I wasn't. And it also, like, because it, because it was Josh Hartnett, and he obviously mm. had, like, you know, a teen girl following, it kind of meant that you followed this person to, like, a more adult place in their career, and mm. then you felt more grown up, having watched him as, like, a teen heart for quite a lot and stuff. And um, I don't know, there's something about it being caught, cool, something about the setting and it being really slow, really quiet, not huge amounts of dialogue, mm-hmm. um, and it being quite gory, but in a quite, like, um, brutal way, in a not cartoony way at all, in this really dark, brutal... Like, it was really sad. A lot of parts of were really sad, mm-hmm. just really, like, like traumatising. Um,
0: and I think that's what it was. Let's talk about the film itself. So what do you mm-hmm. make about the central conceit of the film? Because it's very, like, it's very simple and elaborate, I think, of, like, mm. this idea of this very, this small town and they're not going to have light for a month and then this horde of vampires comes in and basically engineers it so that they have the run of this town. And it's kind of like a siege, almost.
1: So I think it's, um, it's quite a clever concept because in most films where there's like most monster films especially vampire films you're waiting for like the morning Mm -hmm. you'll be safe if you can make it Mm -hmm. till morning and if this is like oh no they make it a month
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um in the small town where they can't and it's also freezing Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so it's not like you can like just chill anywhere it's literally like you're really trying to survive a lot of things at the same time it reminds me of the thing in that where it's like mm-hmm. there's so many that you're battling like a natural issue as well as like the thing that's trying to kill you. Yeah, and I just think that made it really because it almost makes it inevitable. It's like, well, most people are gonna die. Mm-hmm. It's it's inevitable. Like, what can you do in this situation? And um they're just trying to rather than being like, oh, we're gonna be smart and do all this stuff. It's like you're just trying to survive, and I quite like that about it. Mm-hmm. That the people in this town they quite quickly realize something off's happening. So it, it doesn't take them an annoying amount of time to be mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going on? Where's Greg from up the road? Like, it's mm-hmm. like literally like, oh no, something bad. I know what's going on because literally nothing ever happens in this town and now like too many things are happening. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> it's like one day there's like vandalism. And then like Josh Hartnett finds one body. It's like, uh-huh. everyone go inside. <laughs> stay in your house and I'm just like I quite love that there's this like small town mentality about it that they're like no this doesn't happen here we don't know what's going on but yeah I think I think it's quite clever I had one I I am curious about there's a bit where um she says they don't serve alcohol in this period of time uh when it's like the 30 days of night Mm -hmm. because it's like it's bad for people
2: Mm -hmm. to like
1: be and I wonder I want to know if that's true this is like a complete segue but I'm just really curious about like there's stuff like that which feels like detail Mm -hmm. about the way of life for that people there even that it's already a hard time
0: yeah uh that's that's a really good catch it's kind of like I was actually gonna ask you what you thought about the the community so the town itself and the way that all of the characters play off of each other but you're right there's a lot of like there's a lot of not, not. I'm not sure if I would call it small town mentality, but kind of a very pragmatic, very practical approach to things. And that alcohol thing, I think, is also a way of sort of self-preservation in a way. It's like, okay, we're we're you know not hibernating. We still need to continue doing stuff, but we know that this has a negative effect. So we we're going to protect the community by not allowing this. It's like these self-created social norms and rules that they have made up because they know what the experience of say having 30 days of night of no sunshine no sunlight means for not just human beings in general but for that community in particular and it's like those little hints at everyone's backstories mm-hmm. that are not necessarily you know overly explained i think that you know the the relationship between Josh Hartnett's and Melissa George's character, uh Evan and Stella, is pretty explicit. And it's the, you know, the central point is like, oh, they're going through a divorce or they're separating, whatnot. So like the tension is is there from the very start. We're giving that info. But there's a lot of stuff as well in the background that's happening that I found the makers of this film clearly put a lot of thought into the characters and into the the world that they were building. It almost felt like a film that feels like it's adapting a video game Hmm. and i mean it in in a in a positive way i know that video game cinematic adaptations get a lot of shit a lot of flack from people but video games have the possibility of creating worlds that are much larger that are not just um that can be very very expansive even if they're not necessarily you know the core focus of the narrative or whatever and this kind of feels like that where there's a lot of stuff that is built into the logic of that world
1: yeah I think you're right about like so well yeah when I say like small town I feel like it's that thing of like oh it's that place where you know everyone knows everybody Mm -hmm. and the reason they react so quickly is because it's like this is unusual for us and we know this um they know how everything runs there's a million people like when Melissa George's character trying to get to the airport. Mm-hmm. and she calls her, like there's there's people she can get in touch with like everyone you I mean it's just it's mm-hmm. not that feeling of like like a stranger in that place mm-hmm. it's really unusual everyone's like so when Ben Foster like wanders mm-hmm. in everyone's a little bit on edge already because who are you mm-hmm. um what are you doing here especially at this time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so this yeah they already make this kind of world this kind of world with edges like that that, that that nature is formed, that they didn't have to create, like the writers didn't have to create, you see what I mean? It's like, there's an edge to this world. Like there's 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 no way outside of this space of it. Um, if you run for long enough, it's not gonna do you any good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that like, it makes it all very insular mm-hmm. and very like close. Um, and even worse, that's what I mean about the sadness in it, even worse because every person that dies is someone you actually know. Mm-hmm no one's anonymous it feels like almost in this in this story like it's 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 someone that someone else knows it's someone's like family member or friend or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's just makes it all the more bleak and all the more like harrowing Mm -hmm. so I think yeah it's it's really cleverly done
0: and let's talk about the vampires because they're like they send in this stranger played by Ben Foster and Ben Foster playing the creepy weirdo is a whole, you know, staple of naughty no. cinema. Love
1: <laughs> feral Ben Foster.
0: We have to we have to love him. But what do you make of the of the vampires and the the way that they're designed and the way that they're um that they operate when they're slaughtering this poor town?
1: So I'm going to completely backtrack on my original statement. (laughs) And I'll say that this is the only time I think that vampires in a film have ever scared me.
0: Oh, wow. Because
1: they're like animals. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not, yes, they're wearing people clothes, but they can't be reasoned with. They always look terrifying. They don't like wear their human face. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, they're really fucking scary. Um, They speak a language I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no reasoning with them. And they're like a pack and they're smart. And I like that we don't, we don't see them for quite a while. Like we don't get a good look at one of them for quite a while. And I quite like this. They're working initially, like before they're comfortable, like showing themselves fully, they're working initially undercover
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like snatching people and like disappearing into the shadows and stuff. But also I just, um, they have plans. Like they send a girl out to ask for help as a bait. Mm -hmm. as bait, they they Mm sent her out like walking down the street like to get people to come out or someone to come out and find her and i was like they're clever Mm -hmm. and they're really really hunting in a way that i think is taken away from a lot of other vampires that they're animals this is what they do they're good at it um they're
0: like sharks
1: and yeah yeah and the lead they have they have a pack leader who's um danny
0: danny houston
1: absolutely terrifying Mm mm-hmm um and just commands this like he does he barely moves hmm. and he just is like doing that like I mean like that like that stare with those like black eyes half the time. he's so scary. Um yeah, yeah and I I just think it's I think it's done really I think they're done really well.
0: I found them really interesting because like for some like just talking about the way that they're designed and stuff, it's it's so I also kind of I think I had a very different image memory of this film in my mind because they are really scary. Because they've got that sort of animalistic Nosferatu esque design where mm. they're very, very pale in a like really chalk white kind of way. Their eyes are black. Their teeth are all of their teeth are pointy, not just, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they don't have fangs. All Their entire jaw is like made out of fangs. And they've got these very long fingernails and stuff. And so, like you mentioned, they don't shift into vampire mode. They're always that way. And it's almost like the human bits of them have completely disappeared through, I don't know, an evolutionary-like process. Because some of them, not not so much Danny Houston's uh, pack leader, but some of the other ones kind of have sort of inhuman features or slightly yeah. distorted human features, like the woman who is essentially his lover and the fact that they have all of these relationships between them and ways of communicating and a whole new language that i read was was basically created for the film where they have a, developed a whole new language they have relationships with each other they communicate but it's not the, there is no way they're going to blend in into human society they're completely on the margin of it and that makes it even scarier in some way because it's almost like two civilizations clashing
1: yeah and it's because it's that thing of um so my issue with other vampires a lot of the time i don't find that it's because Mm -hmm. like your your city like vampires you're like city slicker ones like
2: Mm.
1: what are the chances of you bumping into one like they're they're like being a human most of the time all that stuff then you have your like like you know suburban vampires who are like your buffy ones and yeah yeah what's it called uh twilight ones who Mm -hmm. like might fall in love with you and they're quite handsome and like i don't know and these feel like these like wilderness vampires these are like in the wild like they are monsters everyone is Mm -hmm. fucked because they're really good at what they do Mm -hmm. and this is all they're going to do they're they're, they don't have like i think there's a lot of vampire films they have like a big grand plan Mm -hmm. and these guys are like no we're gonna eat everyone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is the plan like that's it <laughs> it like kept making me think of Buffy I was like they, the, those vampires wasted so much time like being in like layers being like let's do this thing let's end the world this way it's like you just been eating people um, and it's like that, the, the difference is just like no they've arrived they mm-hmm. have this plan this mm-hmm. is what they're going to do and you're fucked like they've even been smarter they sent Ben Foster in initially to cut you off they mm-hmm. know what they're doing they've done this before and I just, yeah, I really like that about them that they're not like they're not humanized in any mm-hmm. way, yes, they look vaguely human, but they're not human, and we're in no way meant to believe they are at any point. It's like mm-hmm. no, they're they're monsters, they're animals, they're gonna like kill you any way they can. There is nothing you can say or do um to stop them, um yeah,
0: and, and on that note actually you you mentioned that this you know this actually scared you uh unlike most vampire films what do you make of the the horror of this film and how it uses violence and jump scares and gore to to make vampires like quite vicious
1: well i think um the way the vampires kill is actually like a lot of the time it's fairly quick
0: or it mm-hmm. seems quite
1: quick they kind of hack and slash and and feed and move on um so that violence for me wasn't particularly it was like expected and i was like okay like Mm -hmm. they are moving like pack animals they're like just like burning through like this town and these people but um it was the points where the things that really affected me, I think there's that one scene where Josh Hartnett has to like chop off his friend Billy's head Mm -hmm. because he's about to turn. And those are the things that really like, Oh God, like that is, they show quite a lot of that. You see his head like half hanging off and it's just like quite brutal. And Mm -hmm. I think those violent moments where it was someone killing someone because they had to were worse Mm -hmm. than, than, um, than any of the vampire violence actually and the fight that um once uh, I mean we haven't got that yet but once Josh Hartnett like turns himself mm-hmm. and is fighting like the lead vampire guy Marla. that's like actually quite attractive um <laughs> that I was, is like,
0: not the word I was expecting you to I use. was
1: like oh half half turn Josh Hartnett is okay by me um <laughs> um <laughs> it's quite a hot fight i was like oh my goodness he's so strong he like, punches a hole in the man's face but like uh <laughs> the... <laughs> i was like goodness uh, <laughs> i do not remember that i was watching it like oh okay this is a good look for him like black eyes and like a <laughs> bit roughed up um but also the i think the scariest thing because they make it to almost the the like they like most the the few of them make it to the sunrise after Mm -hmm. 30 days but a lot of them make it through quite a lot of the time and what really freaked me not freaked me out but really like through me was just like they're freezing Mm -hmm. they're also freezing and they're fighting something that does not feel the cold Mm -hmm. and there, there are so many things against them I'm like you would just be and honestly I would just it's so cold, I won't be there anyway. But like if I was, if I was by accident there, I was like, I would just die. If if they are like <laughs> we're in freezing conditions, it's gonna be black for 30 days and vampires are doing I'd be like, I'm I'm it's over. I'm finished. <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna I'm like, what am I gonna do in this situation Like, truly what am I gonna do? I'd be like, and Josh Hart, character has asthma, and has asthma. And I'm just like, what are you doing there, man? Why, are you, why are you living in this tower, your asthma pump, in the freezing cold, trying to fight vampires? I'd be like, no, it's over for me. I'm. Just, <laughs> I would just walk out into the snow and just like fall asleep in a snowbank. <laughs> like <laughs> I would not be fucking with any of this. I was like, they are. I mean, they're braver than I am. But um, because it's even stuff like there's a one guy who drives that big um they keep using words for machines that I don't understand in that film where I'm like, I don't live in this town. I don't understand what the machine is, (laughs) but they, um, they, (laughs) he drives a big machine into a house and he's like, you're not going to eat me. It blows everyone up, Mm -hmm. but then he doesn't even really blow himself up successfully. So they still like, he like steps on his head to kill him. And I was like, this is brutal. Like even the people who are trying to be like, I'll just like end myself and end someone at the same time. Don't even do that successfully. Billy, um, Eben's friend, tries to do a little murder suicide and completely fucks that up. Like, <laughs> kills his kills his kids and his wife, and then he's like, oh then the gun jam, and they're like, Yeah, Billy, because there's no other way you could have killed yourself. Like, at what point <laughs> I think we're like halfway through the month at that point, mm-hmm. in the month of darkness. So, like, so this whole you'd have been sitting in a room with your dead family and you weren't like well, the whole point was a murder-suicide, so I'll just kill myself some other way, I guess. You just sat there like, oh no, that plans out now. The gun jams. <laughs> so I'll just, I guess I'll just be alive and like, then signal to someone to come save me. It was just like, what the fuck? Like everyone, like no one's, I just, I mean, I'm criticizing him, but honestly, I wouldn't have handled it any better. I don't know how you handle that situation. I'd have lost it so early on. Um. Yeah, it's true. I think that's what scared me as well. Like the situation, I was mm-hmm. like, "This is fucking hopeless. This is
0: bleak. Like, what do you do?" And aside from the fact that he looks dreamy with blackened <laughs> eyes, what did you make of of Josh Hartnett's character of Eben, who's uh, like, believably or not, the sheriff of this town? I know
1: <laughs> this this incredibly hot guy just moved up here and became sheriff. It's all fine. I think at the beginning, his hotness is slightly marred by the fact he's quite like a, panic, like a nitpicky cop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, Evan, like, a, like, relax, have a day off. Um, he's like, you know, driving around, doing his job. I'm like, what's happening in this town? Like, when stuff starts getting vandalized, like, vandalism is the first thing that happens, right? Mm-hmm. If, when they know something's up. I'm like, vandalism happening is like a big deal in this town. You do not need to be driving around as much as you are. Um, if that's like big news, Mm -hmm. uh, if like something being vandalized is like, Oh God, that's very strange. So he's like, take his job a little bit too seriously, but I like him. He seems like a nice, nice enough guy. Like, I guess who you'd want to be your sheriff, um, in that town. He does like classic sheriff stuff. Like when Ben Foster's like harassing the lady in the diner and he's like, Um, leave the lady alone buddy like calls everyone buddy and like Mm -hmm. was all very nice about all kinds of things and unlike a lot of cops in a lot of like horror films just catches on so quick that something's wrong Mm -hmm.
0: that's true which
1: yeah which is a relief they don't waste a lot of this film trying to just like figure out what's happening they're like something bad's happening Mm
0: -hmm.
1: let's do what we can Mm -hmm. and there's like quite a quick um, reaction to all of it Mm -hmm. and he does make quite good decisions as far as what he tries to do to keep everyone safe Hmm. if everyone listened to him the whole time a lot of stuff would have probably gone better to be fair
0: you know what this it's thank you for pointing that out because throughout the whole film I was thinking like would I pay attention to George Hartnett as a sheriff as a figure of any authority and if I'm really honest with myself the answer is no
1: really? I do whatever you tell me (laughs) (laughs)
0: We're very different people. <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah, you're hot, but no. Why? Why am I listening to you?" <laughs> I especially think in that town because
1: it's probably grown up there. When some older people be like, "I've literally seen you as a fucking child. Mm-hmm. Like when you were in your like teen tearaway days. Do you not tell me what to do."
0: Um, yeah, I
1: think there'd be that difficulty as well. Um,
0: yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I I kind of like the casting of Josh Hartnett because I don't think he has that gravitas as a performer where Mm. you'd be like I'm just going to do whatever he says I'd be like "Mm, yeah but I'd like to hear a second and a third opinion maybe because (laughs) I don't (laughs) trust this guy
1: (laughs) and it's also like um, I think it definitely works in Josh Hartnett's favor this is quite a quiet film and quite a dialogue Mm light film oh oh my god (laughs) I think that definitely um, <laughs> helps him. Um, there are certain actors you're like, mm, if there was a lot more talking or a lot more to oh do, I think the biggest bit of acting he does is at towards the end where he's looking out the little window about yeah. Shelley. Uh-huh. Is it Shelley her name? Stella. Um, Stella. And he's like, um, if she stays, she burns. If she if she runs, she kills. Her. If she stays, she burns. And like that's a, and he's like. Jesus, he says something to like make himself gear himself up. It's like, mm. this is the most amount of acting you've done in the film. <laughs> um, and if there was any more than this, I'm not sure it would have held up. I mm-hmm. think the 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 Josh Hartnett we're seeing in this film, who doesn't talk very much, mm-hmm. yes, I buy that I would I would do what he said. I trust him. If you talked to him for more than five minutes, maybe not so much. <laughs> I trust I trust Sheila. Like. It's one of those where you're like, I feel like your wife would maybe be a better sheriff of this town. Um, I don't know. There's just something about Mr. George that's just like, what's her name? Stella.
0: Stella. Yeah. She's got more authority. Sheila. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> old Sheila. Um, yeah. There's something about her that just seems, she just seems quite solid and quite mm-hmm. like sure of herself.
0: Um, yes, although the one scene where they're like cowering in an attic hiding from vampires and she's like turns to Josh Hartnett and goes, well, it's a good thing you don't want kids, right? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs>
1: what is that? What? not now Sheila no, no okay, like, yeah no um yeah Stella, she's just like um she's so it's just like <laughs> this is not the time and Truly. stuff like when that again these situations I like I know they're trying to save everybody mm-hmm. but in that when they're hiding in the attic and the old man who's like not all there is, like gets up and it's like I'm gonna walk to the again use the word I don't know the they use a like the place they're all trying to go, which is like a word that I'm like, what is that? <laughs> um, they're like Wichita, blah. I don't know what they say.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> like, mean don't know what they- the utilidor? Is that what they keep saying? The it's like a utility t- a tunnel or something like that. I every time they said it, I was
1: like, uh huh, <laughs> yeah, get there, I guess. I don't know. Sure, um, but he gets up. He's like, I'm gonna walk to something, whatever, and um. The, she just keeps being like, shh, shh, like a school teacher. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not going to cut it, babes. Like, <laughs> shushing him. And I'm like, ne- the t- if there was ever a time to, like, be-, be physical with someone in a way to, like, save everybody else. Like, get this under control and then shush him and then calm him down. Mm-hmm. But, like, him rattling around down the stairs and trying to, like, bust out the house is not helping anybody. And you shushing him is clearly doing sweet fuck all. to <laughs> stop it. Yeah, and then, yeah, some of the decisions people make, I'm just like, you've seen the situation, right? Again, I just... If I was... Again, I don't know how I'd end up here by some terrible set of circumstances. If I was in that town when this was happening... um. If someone wandered out into the night, I'd be like, well, that's them gone, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I-, <laughs> I would be like, everyone else keep quiet. Like, no, I'd be definitely hiding on my own mm-hmm. for a start because I'm like, you can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. But like, it's all what I wouldn't be like, oh no, let's try and get them back. I'd be like, that's it for them. They've made their decision. They are, <laughs> it's them and the elements and the vampires now. Mm-hmm. We can't help them. Nope. Um, everyone's like far nicer than I would be um, in-, in that situation.
0: We have to talk about, we've talked a little bit about the violence and the vampires and Evan, but can we please talk about the final confrontation between Evan, Josh, and Marlo who's played by Danny Houston.
1: It's so good because up until that point, Marlo's like, I've got this, like I'm not even, he's Mm -hmm. like putting blood in his hair or oil in his hair, whatever he puts in his hair. And he's, like, in his coat, walking around, being a boss all the vampires, just like, we've got a plan, let's send this girl out. let's do this, let's set Mm -hmm. the whole town on fire, it's gonna be great. Um, And then Josh comes out, and he's initially like, this fucking guy. Like, he's just like, okay. And then he realises that he's, like, one of them, and he's like, shit. And there's genuine, like, there's a moment, in his face, you see him be like, oh, fuck. Uh (laughs) And it's fantastic, and, like, I love that he realizes that's the only way. It truly was as well. Mm -hmm. The only way. Like, they would have burned. Like, maybe a couple of them would have survived. Mm -hmm. But it was truly the only way to fight and to, like, make I don't know, to do that. And I was just, like, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I love that he made that choice. I love that, like, Marlo's, like, oh, crap. It just took. Which means that also, which is interesting, Mm -hmm. that the other, that, because they kind of Throughout the movie, you kind of get the impression that he's the strongest, which is why he's in charge. Mm-hmm. But it kind of feels like at that point, you're like, oh, any of them could, like, fight you and win. They just kind of let you be in charge.
0: Really? Yeah, That's yeah. so interesting.
1: Like, any of the other vampires technically could, like... In that way, I guess I feel it like a wolf pack, where mm-hmm. it's that thing of, like, yes, someone's in charge. But if someone were to challenge that, that person wouldn't necessarily win the fight like any kind of like animal system
2: mm. where it's like
1: you can have a challenger and like this is like I don't know if you're like watching David Attenborough and it's like the the pride of lions and this like young new challenger turns up and it's Josh Hart and everyone's like oh no um,
0: that's what it feels like that's so interesting because I thought I didn't like get that he was maybe the strongest one I got from him that he was a figure of authority because he was the smartest one so mm-hmm. he like his alphaness is because he was the most conniving one or the smartest one and that gave him strength over others because he would like tell them what to do rather than be physically the strongest one.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make he's a man with a plan. Mm-hmm. He does all the talking. But also it feels because they feel so much like animals, I like part of me assumed there was like a physical part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe he'd taken him from someone he'd like fought and been like, I'm, I'm the boss now. But yeah, I quite like that he has that oh fuck moment.
0: No, for sure.
1: When he realizes that like, oh, it's like an evenly matched fight at this mm-hmm. point. And I also like, none of them join in,
0: do they? No, it's just like, it's very much like a wolf, like yeah. a wolf fight. It's just the two leaders of the of the respective packs who fight to the death and then the losing pack just retreats they don't they don't continue
1: no which i i quite like i quite like that as a kind of idea of law in this kind of vampire world because apart from a daylight which we know mm-hmm. there's nothing else that we see that kind of feeds into that vampire law that we know about already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i kind of like this as part of it that you can challenge the leader and the rest of them will like stand down um I just like how they were portrayed in Mm -hmm. this film as like these, these creatures that are pack animals that are um, connected in that way. And that's how they work. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, there's a usual thing, which I think happens in every vampire film of like Mm -hmm. the disparity between like when someone turns. Yes. Cause it it happens. So such different times to different people. Mm -hmm. That, um, but I, I, I guess, I guess it's kind of implied with Josh Hartnett's character that he's it's his strength of will and the character of his mm-hmm. person that keeps him himself for so long.
0: I think you're very right in that.
1: Yeah, because otherwise it's like far too long. <laughs> um, he like makes it to morning and everything.
0: And and what do you make of that of the real final scene of the film where he, when morning comes, it's been a month of all of this. Even though it is literally in the title, I had forgotten that in the narrative, it is actually a fucking month of being threatened by a bloodthirsty gang of vampires. And we spend the whole month with the characters. Yeah. And what did you make of the the ending when Eben dies as a vampire in the arms of Stella?
1: I really love that ending. Mm. I just think it's really like... I I do remember this, com- like, when it came out, there was a lot of talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. I think some people hate it, but I really liked it that it was just this, like, less violent death than a lot of the other vampires had. Mm-hmm. Like, rather than chopping off his head straight away, he fulfills this promise of watching mm-hmm. the sun rise after 30 days with her, mm-hmm. as much as it's a more slow and painful death. And it feels like a last act of love for her more than mm-hmm. anything else. It could be over for him really quickly. But he mm-hmm. sits as long as he can with her. Um, and I quite liked it. And mm-hmm. it does just feel like this after all that darkness, which is quite oppressive, even just watching it, mm-hmm. to have this moment and have this release for him of like, he's done this thing for everybody for, like, the three people who left in the town. <laughs> and, and he's, like, I don't know. I just quite, like, he slowly, like, flakes away. It takes a long time to do that as well. But, like, he, like, slowly starts, like, disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I, um, yeah, I actually really liked it. I was, like, it's that because even though the other vampire lore isn't there, like I said, like, I know we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. especially when we talked about um Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. the idea of romance being mm-hmm. a major factor. And this is how they kind of fit the romance into it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I quite like that it came at that point, right at the end. And it's like the sweet moment.
0: I absolutely agree with you. I think you're you're very right. It's it's also I think very interesting that they're from the very start of the film. There are a couple who are separated or going through a separation, you know, going through a divorce, so they're no longer together, but. This final scene is so tender and so loving and it's kind of goes beyond any, you know, simple reconciliation idea or anything like that. It's more the the love and the tenderness and the trust that exists to them. And, and especially after going through 30 days of, you know, vampire shit and darkness, uh, it feels very cathartic and kind of like a nice... Mm very very beautiful ending to everything it's not violent it's very it's very smooth it's very soft and you know there's no additional scenes of gore of like Stella having to cut off Eben's head or anything like that it's like no he he stays true to his word like you say and he dies and they die in each other's arms and it's very it's a very wonderful way to end a horror film that feels very character driven despite mm. like a big chunk of it also being a lot of very graphic very gory violence and kind of edited and shot in that slightly frenetic video gamey way that and i'm not saying this is a criticism i really enjoyed the 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 style of violence and the and the gore in this film I think it's really effective and the mm-hmm. way that especially like they play around with shadows and and keep the vampires hidden until quite a long point into the film so they're always like this menacing figure in the shadows and you don't quite know what they are they again to echo what we've been talking about is they feel like animals and they could strike at any point they're not you know so sedu- they're not in the they're not in the business of seducing anyone they're just right. there to eat
1: <laughs> to really just eat
0: yeah have a stack for a <laughs> month just indulge for just
1: a month a month long little like banquet yeah um and i think it's also nice that it's just those two characters at the end mm-hmm. like it's also not melodramatic she's not bawling her eyes out it's mm-hmm. there's no emotional like over like speeches or anything it's just this very quiet very like personal moment which i mm-hmm. also think it could have so easily gone into that where they tell each other how they feel about it's like no even when she sees him after he's like essentially saved her Mm -hmm. and she says what have you done to yourself and it's all very like just calm Mm. but they have these real moments of like like what you said about all the townspeople having characters Mm -hmm. these real moments of like humanizing um like there's a bit where they start burning the town and the Mm -hmm. girl says no one will know what happened here there's a girl who says like no no and that's the issue is that like not the buildings being burnt, not them being necessarily in trouble. She has this moment of being like, "Oh, they're getting rid of everyone just think it's a really horrible accident, mm-hmm. and we'll die." And no, no, and um, they have really good lines. Because in comparison, towards the beginning, there are some lines that are like, mm, like uh, <laughs> when they find like the the burnt spot where someone's been burnt to death, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and they're like, "Was it a prank?" And I was like, "Was it a prank?" <laughs> like. <laughs> What prank could this be? How is this? How is this quality? This is how? What? Like it's just really like um. There's like there's moments at the beginning where you're just like like when there is too much dialogue in this film, it's like no. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bit where like um Stella's trying to get home, like she's mm-hmm. trying to catch a flight out right before the darkness descends. Mm-hmm. And they're like the I think it's Billy who's like why don't you stay like why don't you tell us what's happening with you and Evan? and and she's like oh i got bills to like put through i got my plants to feeding. i'm like those th- what like <laughs> 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 like that's your main concern like it just feels a bit like so it's better when they don't talk so much because i was just mm-hmm. like you've got plants that- that's your reasoning um and it's also that thing of like she gets hit like on the way to the airport obviously her target car a car gets totaled But I was like, why weren't you, knowing what Mm happens, like, if you miss this flight, like, as in, like, it's going to be 30 days a night in a small town with your strange husband, would not you, I would have been at the airport, like, I mean, fully, uh, like, four hours, like, ready to go. Mm -hmm. She, I, what she's doing. I'm like, why, what, what's happening? there babes like you should have been there like (laughs) why how did this even happen um so it does feel like kind of some when there is too much dialogue or story and once they once once it gets past that point it feels really well done it feels just like a nice little insular little thing that Mm. um works really well together and you really feel like that struggle, the fact that you can't eat, there's just so many things working against them, like vampires and the cold and like mm-hmm. lack of food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just so many things. And they're trying to get to the Ecuador place. What is it
0: called? The, <laughs> the-, <laughs> the, utility-, the utility place.
1: I'm just never gonna know. <laughs> they say it so much as well. And I was like, what is that?
0: The <laughs> ut- just- utilidor? Utilidor. I don't yes. know. I've never heard that word being used in English. No. And
1: they use it about fifty times in this film. Like <laughs> you're saying this, like everyone knows what this is, and I don't. Um and even like the some of the cars, he says it when he's trying to tell everyone to go home, like Josh Hart's character, mm-hmm. and he says, um, have you got a is it a Jenny? A definite a, a, a type of like snow car or mobile or something. But okay. the way, like he says it like everyone I'm like, what is that? Why does everyone have one if they live here? It's so, like, there are so many things. Where I was like, but I kind of like that. I kind of like, it's like you really made this film in this town. And it's like, well, you don't know all that word You look it up because we're not going to explain it to you. Um, you should just, it's just their way of life and you have to understand it. So I kind of like that they didn't explain it. But I was just like, what is that? I wonder. Very interesting. Um, and even like what I was saying about them, the diner waitress saying that they don't serve alcohol mm-hmm. during that period. I'm like, they don't really go into it. I kind of like that they created this world where they give you a little snippet of information
2: mm-hmm.
1: about how they live, but then don't go further. Um, but yeah, some of the words I just didn't learn. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I, I I still really liked it. I really liked it a lot, actually.
0: And just to, to wrap both of these films together um, and start wrapping up a conversation about them, One of the things that I found really interesting about this film is that I think that they both borrowed quite a lot of tropes and stylistic visual cues from zombie films, Mm -hmm. almost much more than vampire films. And I was wondering, what do you think? How do you think they sort of combine vampire tropes and zombie tropes in these two films?
1: Well, I guess the zombies, like the, the tropes that come from zombie films, like in uh, From Dust Till Dawn, it's kind of the idea of barricading yourself in somewhere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which isn't always a vampire thing because they're the kind of assumption with vampires they can get in or that that's not really going to help you. And it's not brute, like brute force they're really using to mm-hmm. get to you in the first place. Um, it's a lot smarter than that a lot of the times. So they're barricading themselves in a bar and like arming themselves with stuff to like kill the vampires having this very specific set of tools to kill them in the first one in from dusk till dawn um and it works like because you hear the bats outside and it's like the idea of it being less of a it's because it's vampires that we're going to die it being a more it's because there's so many of them that we're going to die which is obviously a zombie thing a lot of the time where it's like it's not necessarily like because zombies are so good at killing you it's because there's it's just a sheer mass of them Mm -hmm. um and i actually think it works really well um especially in the first one in that situation if you're on the top of like a temple and there's endless amounts of vampires about to turn up Mm -hmm. that actually works quite well the idea that actually you could you're going to be killing them and not just killing them Mm -hmm. like the fact that you have to go around stabbing the ones that have been bitten which is also quite zombie-ish like killing it before they turn Mm -hmm, which isn't mm -hmm. necessarily something you always see in a vampire film because usually it's not enough that it's not being bitten then you turn Mm -hmm. there's a whole situation involved of like drinking of their blood and like or there's like a whole ritual thing it's like a choice a lot of the time in vampire films to Mm -hmm. turn somebody whereas in both these films I think in the first ones if you're bitten in the second one it's just coming into contact with their blood Mm -hmm. like getting their blood in you somehow so um the turning's a lot different and I think it works to make it scarier Mm -hmm. in the sense of like you're always kind of in danger because if anyone in your party has been bitten or is like infected then they're going to turn as well Mm -hmm. um and in the second one I guess it's the fact that they spend most of the time hiding again I think in vampire films there's a lot more like fighting and immediately Mm-hmm. like it's like oh there are vampires let's fight them <laughs> rather than like let's try and hide for a month and hope we make it mm-hmm. um so there's that thing that idea of and there's a stuff even when they go to the um the uh market in 30 days of night to get mm-hmm. food to get mm-hmm. there's they a snowstorm they manage to go out and get food and there's a little girl which is annoying that she talks actually. I kind of wish she didn't, because it's a lot creepy when she doesn't. But she has that <laughs> line that's like, Do you want to play with me too? It's like, oh, this is annoying. <laughs> but um it's the I there's I feel like there's in almost there in so many zombie films, there's a scene where someone goes to get food and there's a zombie somewhere in the aisle. Um, like that like they didn't know was there, who comes running out. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of feels like that. It, it feels kind of feels like it borrows because Thirty Days of Night doesn't have very many jump scares,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that definitely feels like not a vampire one because you don't really usually happen upon a vampire just eating a person. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> happen very often in like vampire films. Yeah. So it definitely feels borrowed from the zombie genre, and also it being a kid even uh-huh. like you don't often see that either like obviously like into a vampire does it but uh-huh. like th- that's a whole plot point whereas in um this is like quite different how they've done it it feels quite zombieish, where it's like oh no there's a mm-hmm. there's a zombie kid that's awful we have to like hit his head and it's a kid and all that stuff mm-hmm. um and i feel like for the jump scares in 30 days like they borrowed from that mm-hmm. and because they couldn't be i guess in um from dust till dawn it felt like they couldn't really be on the move it felt like they really wanted to be in one location and that was the point mm-hmm. so it works better that they have to barricade themselves in and it's that zombie thing of that they're kind of stuck in they're stuck in there rather than it being like they're trying to run away from something mm-hmm. but I guess it's the same in a wider sense with 30 days of night and that they're stuck in the town as a mm-hmm. whole um but I think it works really well marrying I think it makes them like a scarier monster to deal with
2: mm-hmm.
1: um because like I said when they're not like that when it's just one or two vampires who are like trying to like sweet talk you into like letting them suck your blood <laughs> it just it's not the same it's not the same as being like feeling inundated and feeling like it's an ordeal mm-hmm. and feeling like it's an onslaught of um, of something mm-hmm. um and I think it actually I I actually would love more vampire films that did this Less Mm. glittery vampires in the sunlight, more um, vampires with huge muffs and like scary half open faces and Mm. (laughs) speaking like an odd ancient language, like more of that. Um, Because I think, you know, it is a far scarier way to look at them as an actual monster, which I don't know why we spent so many years in the film trying to make them seem more like people. And like giving them souls and making them quite sensitive and stuff. It's like no, <laughs> no. Like I don't want it. I, I want them. I mean, sometimes I want it. Let's let's be real. Sometimes I do want that. But like, um like sometimes you want them to be really scary. And I think mm. we haven't done that in quite a long time.
0: I love it. What a what a great though to end on, aura. Um, where can? Sorry. My brain. Thank you so much, as always, for your time and for all the stuff that you pick up on these films. It's it's generally always such a pleasure to hear. And where can people find more of your work online?
1: So I you can find me on Twitter at our underscore BB and uh you can find my monthly column on the Final Girls website under the Bloody Women section. Um it's called Bloody Perfect, it's every month. And uh yeah, everything else I announce on my Twitter page, any other writing I'm doing, or my Instagram, which is at sarasaurus Yeah, you can find me there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: It was so much fun as usual. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's it for this episode of The Final Ghost Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. If you can, again, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really matters. You can find out more about what we do over on thefinalghost.co.uk. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TheFinalGhostUK. You can also follow Azora on Twitter at Azora underscore BB. And I am also over there at Anna B. Demented. Thank you for listening. And next week... We're fully embracing Naughty's horror and we're going deep with our take on the Underworld franchise.